Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. This is week four of our series titled Twisted Truth. And what I'm doing with this series is showing you the lies of the devil and how he's twisted the truth of God's word in today's culture. And I'm going to warn you now, today is going to be an interesting topic. It's an interesting topic. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the title of my message. And if you know me, if you listen to my sermons, you know that's very unlike me to give you the title right away. But it says it all. So what is the title? Here it is. Does God promise wealth? Does God promise wealth? Wealth. Now, this is a very debated topic among believers, among the churches, because I feel like all of us at one point early in the morning, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., have seen some pastor on TV saying, if you just buy this holy water for $1,500, only $1,500, we got payment plans and everything, then all of your problems will go away and you can be rich and have everything you want, right? We've heard that before. And so a lot of people have believed that if they come to God, they'll get rich, they'll get wealthy. On the other hand, we've also heard the exact opposite. If you love God, if you really follow Jesus, then you need to sell everything that you have, give up all of your possessions, live poor and move across the world to live for God. I've also heard that before as well. So my question today is, which one is it? Which one is it? I'm getting there. Which one? Because a lot of us think, okay, do I come to God to get wealthy or do I come to God and and I need to be poor and I need to live for him? How does it work? So let's talk about it. There are two lies from the devil in today's culture that we hear a lot with this topic, okay? The first lie is this. God promises you will be rich. That is a lie of the devil. God promises you will be rich. And a lot of times when you hear about giving, when you hear about tithing, you're going to look out of the book of Malachi. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Malachi chapter three. It is one of my favorite passages out of the Bible because it will hit you right in the face. I'm telling you right now, the way God speaks through his prophet Malachi is very strong. And, And Malachi is speaking to the people of God and he's telling them, hey, you're robbing God. And they were confused. What what do you mean? Like, how am I robbing God? How is that even possible? So let's look together. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, ESV translation for this. Uh, He stated, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And God's answer is this, through your tithes and contributions. Then God says something pretty strong to the prophet Malachi. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me the whole nation. Now, God brings a very clear warning to his people. You are robbing me by not giving a tithe or an offering to the house of God. But then he continues. Verse 10, don't miss this because it's the love of God coming through. ESV translation still, he says, bring in the full tithe into my storehouse so that there may be food in my house. I love this. God says, put me to the test. As the Lord of hosts. You know, it's the only passage of scripture that I know out of the entire Bible where God says, test me on this. God is really like, test me. Where's your faith? All right. Where's your faith in this? Trust me in this. Test me. Let's see what happens. And he says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no more need. And we've heard this before and we've shouted hallelujah. And usually we stop right there. Yeah, 
that verse. All right, I'll give. God's going to make us rich or God's going to take care of all my needs. And I feel like at some point in our lives, we've all debated this in our head. And a lot of people have bargained with God that have struggled in this area. All right, God, I'm going to start to give. I'm going to start to tithe. But can I have that house? You know, that house I've been praying for? Or God, how about this? I'm going to start giving. I'm going to give out of this paycheck. Can I have Sarah's car? Because between me and you, you know that Sarah doesn't deserve it like I do, right? If there's a Sarah in the room, I apologize right now. I'm just throwing out names. But I do feel at some point in our life, maybe when we were younger, maybe right now, you kind of bargain with God. Okay, God, I'll walk in obedience. But if you do this, or a lot of times it's been for a miracle. God, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll start going to church if you bring a healing, if you save my marriage, if you save my family, if you do all of this. And we're putting all these restrictions in this and almost like a contract with God. And God is saying, listen, you don't know the future, but God is saying, I do. And you just need to trust me and have faith when you walk in obedience. Because I wanna make something very clear to you today. You ready for this? This is good, all right? Being blessed and being rich is not the same thing according to the Bible. I'm going to make that very clear. Let me say it for the people in the back. You ready? Being blessed and being rich is not the same thing according to the Bible because there are a lot of people today that are very wealthy and have it all, yet they're still miserable. They still feel empty. They still are, are suffering with depression or struggling in their marriage or in their life, even though they have all of this wealth. So let me ask you a question then. What is God really saying out of Malachi chapter three? Here's, here's the question. How did God bless his people in Malachi chapter three? How did God bless his people out of Malachi chapter three? The answer is this. He reveals that he will protect them from the attacks of the devil. That is truly where the blessing comes from. He says, I will protect you from the attacks of the devil because we stop at verse 10. Yes, bless us. Everything that we need, God bless us. Listen, 11 and 12 continue though. And God says, I'm going to bless you by rebuking the devourer, rebuking the devil for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soul or your vine in the fields shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. So what God is stating is this, I'm going to bring you true blessings and I'm going to protect you from sickness I'm going to protect you from plagues. I'm going to protect you from famine. Everything that you work for, listen to this, everything that you work for, everything that I've given you, the devil, the enemy will not be able to steal it from you. He won't be able to touch it. Why? Because there will be a hedge of protection around your life. And yes, God will put a favor on you, but ultimately that favor means the devil can't touch you. He can't ruin what God is doing. And if you remember last week, what did I tell you? The devil cannot curse what God has blessed. I love that. The devil cannot curse what God has blessed. And we learned that from the story of Balaam and Balak out of Numbers chapter 22, verse 12. God told Balaam, listen, you are not to curse these people. Why? Because I blessed them. I've already spoken a blessing over them. You can't touch them. The enemy can't come near their life and he can't ruin what God is doing because God is in control. And this means what God has promised over your life will take place. 
As long as you keep walking in obedience, God's word will always be fulfilled in your life because the enemy can't touch you. But people still ask this, okay, okay. This verse kind of rubbed me the wrong way though. What do you mean God's gonna put me under a curse if I don't stop, if I don't start giving? Let me make it very clear to you, okay? God is not saying he's gonna put you under a curse. What God is actually stating is this, you are already under a curse. What God is stating out of this passage is this, I am already under a curse because we live in a fallen world of sin. We live in a cursed world. So what God is saying is, listen, you can live for the world and stay under this curse or you can obey me and I'll bring a protection over your life to save you from the attacks of the devil so that you can be free from this curse in your life, especially in this area, which means, this is good, when you walk in obedience, you walk under the protection of God. That's why the devil wants to trip you up. That's why he brings these temptations in your life or uses his demons to try to take you away from what God has spoken over you. Because when you walk in obedience, especially when it's hard, better believe it, God's love will shine through. I've seen some dark moments in our lives where it felt like everything was going to crash down. But there was a peace in what God had spoken. And in every situation, God got us through. It may have not been the way we thought it would be or as perfect as we thought it would be in the process, but through every trial that we've been through, it created maturity in my faith. And the same way, I know many of you have testimonies today that you have been through some very hard times, but God brought you through it. And you know what's crazy? When you get on the other side of it, you actually look at your life and say, you know what, I'd do it again. I'd go through that again because it made me who I am today that I know that I have faith when people come up to you because people will mock you and they'll say, how do you know God's real? Well, let me tell you a story about when I was about to sink and God performed a miracle. I hear his voice. I know him and he always comes through. When you walk in obedience with God, you walk under his protection. And God stated this, in Malachi 3 verse 12, he stated, then all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen, do I believe that God wants to bless his people? Absolutely. Do I believe it's okay to be rich? Yes, of course, because every good gift comes from the Father. But do I believe that God wants every believer to be rich? No. No. Because, listen to me, God wants to work on your heart. Some of you are praying to be free from debt. God may free you from debt today, but it doesn't change your spending habits. Am I preaching to somebody? It doesn't change your spending habits. There are people that have been freed from debt and then a month later already back in the debt they were just freed from. There's a reason we see people win the lottery and then they end up broke later on because people don't know how to change their habits and spending because they're spending it for themselves, for themselves, for themselves until they put themselves in bondage. So God wants to work on your heart. He wants to do something special. So what is he trying to do? And I believe that we get the answer clearly from the story of Abraham. This is what he did with Abraham. We know that Abraham was a blessed man. We know that Abraham also walked in obedience, that the nation of Israel comes from Abraham, the lineage of Jesus Christ. So he was very blessed and he had much. 
there's a reason for that. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, all right, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous. A lot of times when we read this passage of scripture, we only notice two sentences. We only notice, I'll make you into a great nation and I'll bless you. What happened before that? Leave everything you had. Step out of your comfort zone. Do something that's gonna risk everything to follow me and obey. And if you obey, because you will be under my protection, the enemy can't touch you, you will be blessed. Your name will become famous, but continue to read to know the real answer of why. Why? The next verse, because you will become a blessing to others. You're going to be blessed because you're going to become a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. This is protection from the Lord. This is a covering from the Lord. This is why when there's an anointing on a place, when there's an anointing on somebody and a vision for God and what God is doing and it's blessing people, you get under that anointing. You get in that covering. You, you follow God in obedience in that. Why? Because he will bless those who bless you. But will also curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here's the answer why God will bless in this way. God will bless you to be a blessing. So simple, yet life-changing. God will bless you to be a blessing. And God knows who will use their wealth for good and who will use their wealth for themselves, okay? He knows that already. He sees right through our words. He knows our hearts. He knows our intentions and what we're doing. But now let me ask this question, because I've seen this a lot lately. We've been posting some different sermon clips and people are saying, okay, I get it because I struggle with comparing. A lot of people struggle with comparing, okay, but they have what I want and I, and I get it, pastor. Walk in obedience. I'm going to be protected. But at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of ungodly people. And when I say ungodly, I mean like truly rebelling against the Lord, all right? Blaspheming his name, not wanting anything to do with God. And yet they have so much of the things that I want. They have wealth, they have the house, they may have fame, they have the platform, they have all of these things. So, so how is that possible then? How are those that are not following God have wealth, have these things? And, and this is the same question that was asked at Malachi chapter 3. And God reveals that, that the people of God were, were speaking about this. Let me show you. Verse 14 and 15. You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now, listen to this, we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. You ever felt like that? You ever say, God, why is it that that person that's always talking bad, always doing these things, never living for you, seem to have the things that I want? Let me say it again. There's a major difference between being rich and being blessed, according to the Bible. And when you see the ungodly being rich, it's not the same as us being blessed. Let me tell you why. Again, if you remember, not, not that long ago, I preached from Psalms chapter 73. And I love 
the revelation. If you are struggling with comparing your life to others, you need to hear this and you need to write it down. Psalm 73, verse 2 and 3. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then a revelation from verses 17 through 19 until I went into the sanctuary of God. You remember that verse? I was envious. I was coveting. I wanted what everybody else had until I stepped into the presence of God. And then the presence of God started to change my heart. And God will give you a revelation and he will speak. And that's what we talk about when we talk about peace. We're talking about the spirit of God living inside of you, giving you a peace and a comfort, knowing, listen, what they have will lead to their destruction. What they think makes them happy, listen, will never bring them eternal peace. Because there is a difference. We could have a moment of happiness by something we buy or that we get, but that quickly fades. But God is going to give you a peace that will never fade. And that is true joy in the Lord. That's what's so good about it. But he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end, truly. You set them in slippery places. You make them fall to their ruin. How are they are destroyed in a moment. So the ungodly may prosper for a time, but eventually what God is saying, their love for their wealth and their possessions will become their downfall. So don't get caught up in the moment. Don't get caught up in the now. Fix your eyes on what is eternal, what God is doing, what God is, where he's leading you, because ultimately that is our hope. It really is. It's our hope. And all the pain that we go through today, it won't always be that way. The arguments that you had, the fights that you had, the frustrations with somebody, it won't always be like that. There will be joy in the morning. And we praise God for that. And listen, the ungodly, those that rebel against God, they may have these riches, but God is clearly warning them they're not under his protection. Living deliberately in disobedience to God, you're not under the protection of God, and the enemy can snatch it all away. And that's how he tricks so many people. And the devil will say, I'll give you all of this for price, remember? I'll give you all of this. But for every believer, listen to this, our true blessing is in Jesus Christ. Truly, it is. Our true blessing is in Jesus Christ. John 10, 10 and 11 says, the thief comes, talking about the devil, only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come to give you life. Did he stop there? How did he describe this new life? To live abundantly. Abundantly. What God has for you is good. In fact, it's great. In fact, it is so amazing, we can't even fathom what it will be like to truly be in the presence of God. That every worry, every temptation, everything that just weighs us down in this world will one day be no more, and we will finally, this is hard to imagine, be contempt forever. Isn't that crazy? Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Have it abundantly. Listen, being rich is not a sin. It can be a blessing from the Father. But the true blessing is what is eternal, that God will always protect you from the attacks of the devil. 
Which leads us now to the second lie. To follow Jesus, you must be poor. To follow Christ, you must give up everything. You need to sell all your goods. How dare you have something nice? Why would you have a nice car or this and that or that watch? You shouldn't have bought that watch. You should have gave it to somebody else. And I remember too in, in Bible college, my teacher, I, I'll never forget this. We had a student in there and he raised his hand and goes, yeah, I have a problem with my roommate. And the teacher goes, okay, what's, what's your problem? He says, well, he bought pizza the other night. I was confused. Like, well, I love pizza. What's the problem here? And he said, well, he could have gave that money to the poor. And my teacher, I remember, clearly looked at him and said, the problem is not your roommate. The problem is you. And I'm in the back like, ooh, that was good. Years later, I'm using it. There you go. I want to show you something. I want to show you the, the story of the rich young ruler that came up to Jesus. And we've talked about this before. But I do want to share, growing up, I was terrified of this story. I really was because I didn't understand the meaning. And so trying to get closer to the Lord, I remember saying, God, um, I'm broke right now. <laughs> and are you saying that one day if I have money, I have to give it all away and be broke again? Because that's really hard. That's really hard. So let's look into it. Let's dive into this. It's in Matthew chapter 19. By the way, I do have a lot of scriptures for you today, but it's going to be good. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, ESV translation still. And behold, a man came up to him. Now, this is a rich young ruler, the rich young ruler, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? He was looking for the works, right? Like, what do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish to please God and be good enough to get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus looks at him and said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? All right, there is only one that is good, and that is the Father. Only God is good. If you would enter life, he said, keep the commandments, Jesus told him. And the rich man replied like this, which one? I, I kind of see like this smirk on his face. I don't know why when I read this story, he's probably like, which one? Because I, I do good on these. You know what I mean? He was proud. He was very proud of the commandments that he kept. And Jesus already knew. Jesus knew his heart. He knew which ones he was keeping, so he only listed six. He said, do not murder, do not commit adultery, don't steal, and, and so on. Now listen to the ruler's reply. This is how we know that he was prideful in his works. Verse 20, he said, all of these I have kept. What do I lack? Come on. Tell me what I lack. What is it that I lack? Because I've kept all of these. I'm doing good. I'm on a roll. Into the kingdom of heaven I go. Jesus already knew about his love for wealth. He's a very rich man. Again, being rich is not a sin. But to worship your wealth, that is a sin. To put your identity in that and not in Christ, not in God, that is a sin. Why would you put your identity in something that could be gone tomorrow? You need to put your identity in Christ because that is eternal. And so Jesus already knew his heart. He knew that he struggled with worshiping the God of money. And that's what he said, okay? Let me tell you the first commandment. <laughs> you shall have no other gods before me. And so verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, then go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now listen to the wording. And then you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Jesus already knew that he was worshiping his money for he had a lot of it. Now, because of this passage, though, a lot of people have believed, okay, get into the kingdom of heaven, 
does this mean I need to sell all that I have? Right? Because that's hard to understand. Is that, is that what Jesus is saying? No, he's not. And I want to show you why. Let me make a clear point. Him selling his possessions did not get him into heaven. Jesus never said that. Him selling his possessions did not get him into heaven. But what did Jesus say? He said, by selling your possessions, by doing this action, you will have treasures in heaven. You will be greatly rewarded in heaven. Okay, let's look again. Verse 21, Jesus said, sell what you possess, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven. He didn't say, if you sell everything you got, then you'll be in the kingdom of heaven. No, because we're only saved by Christ. Only Jesus, only by the blood of Jesus are we able to enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, it's not on us. It's on us following him. So how does he get into heaven? The same way we get into heaven, through Jesus Christ. For Jesus finished in verse 21, he said, then come and follow me. Come and follow me. That is how you get into the kingdom of God. So here's a biblical truth. You ready? Selling all of your possessions was never a requirement to get into heaven. Selling all of your possessions was never a requirement to get into heaven. And again, this command for the rich young ruler was not addressed to everyone but him specifically because Jesus already knew what was inside of his heart that was leading him astray because he worshiped this other God of money. So Jesus was telling him, it is better for you to give all of that away and be saved by the grace of God than the path that you are walking on right now as you are worshiping this God. Again, look at his prideful words. Verse 20, the rich young ruler said, all of these I've kept. The New Living Translation states it like this. He said, I've obeyed all of these commandments. What else must I do? There was pride. There was pride. And Christ humbled him by telling him to give up what he worshiped the most. And, and I've talked about this before, but some scholars even believe that this could have been Nicodemus. Possible. And Nicodemus did give it all away. I'm going to show you more examples to prove this, though. The story of Zacchaeus, out of Luke chapter 19, verse 8 and 9, Zacchaeus pleased Jesus by giving all of his riches to the poor? No, he gave half. He gave half. Luke chapter 19, 8 and 9, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it Fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus didn't look at him and say, oh, only half? Only half? He didn't look at him and say, why didn't you give it all? No, it says that Jesus was pleased by the action that he just did by giving half. Because we all know that's very difficult. It's very difficult to walk in faith in that way and give half to the Lord. Let me show you another example. Barnabas is another example of this. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36 and 37, thus Joseph, who was also called the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field. Not all of it, 
but he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The Bible says a field, not all of it. I've realized something though. I've seen a, a kind of a category of people that struggle with this mentality, and I kind of call it a, a salvation complex. Because there are some people who feel like they're not good enough to be loved by God, and so because of that, they keep trying to earn his love. Putting requirements on yourself that God did not put on you. And I feel like we've all been there. We've all ran away from God, and we, we did some horrible things. We made some bad choices. We said some things we regret, and we're just like, God, uh, look, I, I just want you to love me again. And God is saying, I do. I do, because I see your heart. All right, God, what can I do? What can I, can I, can, I'll do this. I'll, I'll start reading the Bible. I'll start going here. That's great. Yeah, do those things. Be encouraged to do those things. Keep growing in the Lord. But still, God is saying, I already love you. I already love you. God has created you in his own image. He loves you. And I also see this. There's another group too that I feel like people struggle, that they feel like their life is such a mess and they've lost control out of their own life that they try to help others. And you see that, and maybe that's you today, where you're constantly going, how can I help, how can I help, how can I help, how can I help, how can I do this, how can I do this? And then you get home and you're like, ooh, who can help me? And you're trying to feel better because if you can kind of control somebody else's life, it's easy to take your mind away from the things that are chaotic in your own house. And I see people, I've seen people judge on this because they don't think anybody else has the same convictions that they have in this area of life. Look, Paul stated, he said, it's good to work. Paul said, it's good to work. It's good to give. And it's great to pay your bills. <laughs> it's great. Do these things. First Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. Brothers, we urge you to aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs. Mind your business. Take care of the things in your life. Do what you need to do. Work with your hands. For some people, that's a revelation today. Work. <laughs> Reset. Work as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders. Listen to this and be dependent on no one. Work. It's okay to work. Paul says, take care of your life. What you're going through, give. Know that it comes from the Father. It's okay. This is cool. I want to share this with you today. So I was praying. I wanted to make this clear. Again, this is an interesting topic, and I knew it would probably raise some eyebrows. But I, I told God, I was praying, and I was like, I want, I want to make this very clear. And I said, God, just, what do I need to say? What do I need to say to the congregation, to the church, to anybody watching online? And God put a word in my head. Over and over again, I kept hearing the word value. Over and over again, I just kept hearing the word value, value, okay? I said, God, what does that mean? And this is an iPad, or at least a box of one. To the world, this is valuable. It's expensive. Not everybody can get it. 
I get it. Not everybody loves Mac, but let's just pretend together for, for right now, okay? Let's say you really wanted this. To the world, this is valuable to have Mac products today, even though this is probably an old tablet by now, right? This is valuable. And God revealed to me that a lot of people are looking at a relationship with him, putting value in the blessings, the riches, prosperity, all these things. On the other side, some people are putting their value in their works, right? And they, they give and they do all these things to try to earn God's love, putting requirements on themselves. He says, that's what the world values. But God revealed to me, this is not what I value. And I heard this, so cool. God told me to get this shoe box. Now, in this box, it's not Adidas, okay? There's no shoes in this box. But in this box are a lot of valuable things to me. Because in this box are Micah's baby shoes. He's probably gonna be embarrassed after today's service. But I also have cards. They've made me. I have pictures. I have a little bow tie that he used to wear way back in the day, it's just valuable to me. These letters filled with sticky glue, colored with markers, misspelled words, this is way more valuable to me than this ever will be. And here's what God revealed to me. The value of this to the world will fade because this will become old. Nobody will care about it anymore. It won't be the new thing that anybody wants or looking for it or paying money for, but this will never lose its value in your heart. And God spoke to me and said, that's what I value. That's what I value in a relationship with my children. And so I wanna share two clear points with you today to help you understand the importance of what God values. Point one, to honor God is to value God. To honor God is to value God. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, New Living Translation, it states, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money now listen, many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and she dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has given more than all of those making contributions. Now listen to what Jesus reveals. They were giving large amounts in public because that's what they valued. Jesus was revealing that. They valued how others looked at them. They valued their works. Look how much I can give. Aren't I important in the kingdom of God? And Jesus takes his disciples and says, that is not so. For what looks a certain way on the outside is not what's on the inside. That's how God, God knows your heart. And he said, this poor widow has given more than all these others making contributions. Now listen to this, listen to what Jesus reveals. For they gave only a tiny part of the surplus. 
He revealed it. They gave only a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. The Bible calls this, how do we honor God by giving? The Bible calls this the first fruits. And it's actually a harvest term. And, and what this means, it means the produce that first arises from the ground should be dedicated to God. Your first and your best. And that is how you honor God. Let me show you. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. And you know, and I call this, we battle with what's called a, a spirit of Cain, in my opinion. Because in Genesis chapter four, verse three, we know that God was not pleased with Cain's giving, but we would look at him and be like, but he's giving. How was God not pleased with it? It all comes down to the first fruits. It all comes down to honor, honoring God. Why? This is what happened. Listen, listen to the wording. Genesis 4, 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit. Let me say that again. In the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord. What does this mean? Cain waited. He waited. In the course of time, it doesn't say he gave his first or his best. He waited until finally he gave God whatever was left over. What does it say about Abel? Genesis 4.4, Abel brought the firstborn of the flock, the first and the best. What do we know about giving tithes, okay? We know that according to the Bible, God calls us to give at least 10%. Why? Why 10%? Did you know that 10 out of the Bible means testing? And we see this over and over again. Let me give you some examples. There are 10 commandments. There are 10 plagues in Egypt. Daniel was tested 10 times. So a lot of times God will do this in such a way to reveal something to you. He's making you notice something. It is a testing, but a testing of what? Why do we get so angry over the idea of giving, of tithing? Why? Because it's a test of whom you value. The rich man in Mark 12, or the rich people in Mark 12 only gave little from the surplus. You know what that means? It costs them nothing. It costs them nothing. But in Luke 21, four, like I said, they, they give only a tiny part of their surplus, meaning they gave the leftovers. The rich only valued their appearance. And this woman gave it all. Now listen, I, I wanna make this known too. Christ didn't require her to give it all. He didn't say to her, you have to give everything you got. That was between her and the Lord. That was between her and God. And there might've been something in her life that God was dealing with. And she felt, I gotta give it all right now. It's all that I have. And you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to be broken. You're like, God, I'm tired of going back and forth and doubting you. And I just want to be real. I want to give it all to you. She valued God. I was in my office back there and praying. And I felt God told me I, I need to share this story. Some of you heard it before, but I admitted to the church over and over again, I struggled with tithing for most of my life, even going into ministry. 
I've talked about it. Me and my wife would actually argue. She was a giver. I was not. And I always thought in my head, okay, when I have more money, then I'll start giving. That is never the truth. It isn't. It's never the truth. And I remember it being so fed up and just tired of it. And the money that I had was only enough for my bills. But I remember being in my house and I said, all right, God, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm, tired of, I'm tired of moving on faith, yet I don't trust you with my own money. And I just want something more. And I, I just want to be obedient. I was tired of the guilt of it and battling it in my head. And I gave. I gave online. I was like, all right, it's yours. I did it. I did it, God. The next day I come to church. Again, I was a pastor. And this older man took me by the hand in the foyer and said, I don't know why, but God told me to give you this. It was half of what I tithed. And I looked at him like, you don't even know. I was almost in tears. And I sat in the sanctuary. And I kid you not, my wife knows this really happened. A guy sitting beside me, complete age difference too. One was way older than the other. They didn't know each other. He said, this is weird. I don't know how you're going to take this. God's telling me to give you this. And God gave me back exactly what I gave to the church in a day. Because God was revealing to me, when you value me, when you honor me, I'll protect you from the enemy. And I'll show you who was really in control. And it changed my life. And it changed the way I thought about that. Because I was not perfect in that area at all. But God still valued me. And he still blessed me in something that I was being disobedient in for a very long time. And he showed me grace. Let me make a point. I value what's in this box because it represents my children. God values you and the tithe represents his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard it like that before. Point two is this, God values you. We honor God, we value God because God first valued you. God gave a tithe, and that tithe was his son. That tithe is Jesus Christ. Remember, the first fruits, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning who had died. Jesus is the first fruits, the giving. Here's what I want to share with you. It's not about being rich, but I do hope you become debt free so that you can become a blessing to others. It's also not about giving all of your possessions and moving across the world, but if God has convicted you and he's called you to be a missionary, if he's called you, then know that he will provide. And there may be a reason he may be telling you to give it all away. 
because he's working something on the inside. And I believe with everything that I have that he will perform miracles in your life and show you, just like he showed me, he is in control. But only you know that. Only you know what God is revealing to you. Can I ask you a question? What is God speaking to you right now? What does it mean to you that we struggle with letting things go, that we struggle with giving and we struggle with obeying and we struggle with having faith when God gave his son and Jesus paid our sins upon that cross and we struggle with 10% or we struggle in moving in faith we struggle with forgiving and we struggle with sharing the gospel and we struggle with these things listen these little things the reason the devil is trying to hold you back is because I believe it's gonna create a miracle in your life that would change you to know the love of God like never before I'm gonna say it again he's a good father he will always take care of you he will protect you from the devil and he's gonna show you his love in ways that you can't even imagine today. And to walk in obedience is to walk under the protection of God. And that's truly what it means to be blessed. That it's all in Jesus. It's all in Christ. Can I have you stand up for this last scripture reading? I'm gonna ask our pastoral care team too to come up front right now. Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you and me. While we were still sinners, which means while we were still rebelling, doing our own thing. I'm gonna ask you a question. What's holding you back? And I'm not just talking about giving. I'm not just talking about tithing. I'm just saying, what, what is holding you back from trusting God right now and having faith? Maybe it's a family issue and you have this drama going on and you know that God is telling you you're the only one that can speak words of life, but you have it. You have it because you're afraid or you're holding yourself back and God is saying, I want to use you right now and only you to bring a healing into your family. Maybe somebody has spoken about you that's hurt you and you've been carrying that for a long time and it's time today to let that go. Maybe you've been doubting. You've been doubting and, and, and you know God is telling you to do something and it's, it's, it's unique for you. It's something special just for you. Do you believe that God will perform a blessing, a, a, an incredible miracle in your life, then what is holding you back? What is stopping you from moving by faith? See, when we understand that being blessed is not about being rich, but it's having confidence and peace and comfort in Jesus, then every day is a blessing. And every day in what God has given you, you can be a blessing to others. Are you? 
are you? We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.